go. Julia, you're hard to miss. Okay, welcome. <laughs> welcome, everyone. The DNA of creation. We're going deep tonight into the essence of Rosh Hashanah. If you're ready, please fasten your seatbelts. As always, we love to hear your feedback. If you enjoy these classes, please email me, gavrilharan at gmail.com, and let us know that you've enjoyed it. If you have any questions, please let me know. If you didn't enjoy it, don't let me know, unless you have constructive criticism that will help me grow as a person. And uh, also, we are always taking uh, open to sponsorships for these podcasts and these classes. And big information, guys, big news. Uh, a week from this Sunday, we're having the Rage Maryland matching campaign where you can give a donation to support the ongoing work of Rage Maryland, and all donations will be tripled for 24 hours a day of the campaign, maybe a little bit longer than that. Well, <laughs> and and uh, a thousand years old, and um, that those donations can be made at rageon.live, www.rageon.live, and that that site is live already, so you don't have to wait till the day of the campaign to make your donation. Okay, guys, let's get started. Here we go. What is Rosh Hashanah all about? And I want to start with a little participation because I want to hear from you guys. What are we celebrating on Rosh Hashanah? The new year. Hold on, Julia. When you know too much, you can't say it all at once because we've got to give other people a chance. So Julia said the the new year, and she also said the first day of creation. Okay, so let's kind of go deep into that. What else? Does anyone else? We'll find out. Anyone else have anything to say about Rosh Hashanah? Yes, Rebecca. Okay. introspection for the next year to figure out what you did wrong in the last year and what you want to do differently next year excellent anyone else want to add anything that you know about rosh hashanah customs mitzvahs meaning yeah alan you got something jaylene Okay, okay. Fasting? That's Yom Kippur. No fasting on Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah, we have a big, big meal. Four big meals, actually. Excellent. Okay, Jaylene. Okay, this is the, the, the part about Rosh Hashanah that most people don't know. Usually when I ask about Rosh Hashanah here, New Year's, dip the apple in the honey, blow shofar, right? Blow the ram's horn. And um, sometimes you hear um, the creation of the world. You rarely hear, Julia, unless you've been to a lot of rage classes. So, and judgment day, you never hear. But that is the real answer, is what we know about Rosh Hashanah, according to the prayer liturgy that we're going to say in the Machsor and the prayers of the day, is that today is the birthday of the world, 
Hayom Haras Olam. It is the birthday of the world. And today is Yom Hadin, the day of judgment. Okay? And in fact, unlike January 1st, or whenever the Russian New Year is, who knows when that is? I don't know when that is. When is the Russian New Year? Also January 1st? Really? Oh, didn't used to be like that once upon a time. All right. Must be reformed Russians. All right. Just kidding. Um, they used to have a different calendar. Um, so the on New Year's, what do, you, what do most people do around the world on New Year's? Okay. They make resolutions, which they break by like the next morning. Okay. What else do they do on Rosh Okay, that's what we do. We we do that. What else do most people in the world do on their rush on their New Year? Party, get drunk, right? We don't do that. We spend the whole day in synagogue praying, and in fact, it's a very serious day. It's a very intense day. It's not a party, because the prayers that we say on Rosh Hashanah talk about the fact that on Rosh Hashanah it is determined who will live and who will die in this next year. And there's an extremely intense prayer called Nasana Tokif. That was, there's a story behind the prayer. I don't know if the story is true, but it's, a, it's an old story to accompany that prayer, that that prayer was written by a rabbi who lived, I think, in Germany, France in the, in the Middle Ages. And a priest asked him to debate him, I believe. And the rabbi refused. And the priest said, if you don't, um, the rat, the priest said, either you convert or you'll be killed. The choice is yours. And the rabbi said, give me three days to consider your offer. And he felt so bad that he asked for time to consider the offer. Obviously he wasn't going to convert, but he felt so bad about it that he, um, essentially, you know, I'm forgetting the whole story right now, but, uh, essentially he was, oh, oh, so he, he said, because of that, he was punished. And the priest, he came to the priest and he said, my tongue shall be cut out for having even said that I want time to consider it. And the priest said, no, your tongue, you will keep, but, but your legs will be cut off because your legs didn't walk to me within those three days that I told you to come. So he cut off his legs and he cut off his arms. And the rabbi was lying on a stretcher and he was brought to shul. It was right before Yom Kippur and he was brought to shul. And in shul, on his way, he composed this this song, this prayer that we say, which essentially says, like, this, on this day, it is written the future of every single being. Who will be rich? Who will we be poor? Who will live? Who will, be die? who will die? How many will pass away? How many will be born? And then it goes through a whole intense list, like a menu of all the possible deaths a person can have in the coming year. Who by fire? Who by water, who by strangulation, who by plague, who by wild animal, who by sword. And by the end of it, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm done. I'm finished. Just take me now. There's no chance. And it's it's very depressing to a certain degree. And um, but but there's something there that there's an there's this real judgment that's happening on Rosh Hashanah for the new year. And not only that. So we say that on Yom Kippur, the judgment is sealed, like Jalian said, and on Yom Kippur, on Rosh Hashanah, it's written. And then you have 10 days to kind of 
try to change that decree by working on yourself and doing what's called tshuva, repenting, returning, and then uh, Yom Kippur, it's sealed for the year. So I often say that, you know, it's very interesting. The rest of the world on New Year's is out in a drunken party. Jews are in synagogue beating ourselves up saying we're going to die this year, reading from a book that's like this thick, right? You get this book this thick, you open it up, you're like, no pictures, there's no pictures, and it's all written in Chinese, right? If you don't read Hebrew, you're finished. And you're like, you're like, all right, I mean, I guess we just have to do some of this, right? And then you realize like it's the whole book. You got to finish that book today. And it's 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 really brutal. And you're beating yourself up all day. And it's a wonder that, you know, that a lot of Jews don't want to go to synagogue the rest of the year because that's their experience of Judaism. But the, the really fascinating thing is that they go only once a year on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And those are the two days when it's like the most depressing days. And so they, they basically... You know, they, they don't do Jewish stuff so much the whole year. And then they come to synagogue one day a year to feel really guilty about it. So that's unfortunately the experience of a lot of people in America of their Judaism. And that's really not the way it's supposed to be. So I want to provide a deeper look into what Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur is all about. And perhaps to give a different, a completely different perspective to the experience. So normally, when you ex when we think of a new year, it's an experience of, of of freshness, of excitement, of looking forward to newness, right? But us, we Jews, where which direction are we looking on Rosh Hashanah? Looking back, we're getting judged on the past, so to speak. So it seems. So I would say, forget it, move on. Let's go past it. Let's go to the future. And not only that, but how do you feel when, when you're being judged? Anyone have people in your life that are very judgmental? Yeah, do you like being around those people? Oh, does it bring out the good? Does it bring out the good in you? When you're judged by your um, martial arts trainer, so that might be inspirational because he's helping you to become better. But when you're judged by really anyone else, it doesn't feel good. Even a parent who cares about you, it doesn't feel good when they're like, you got another D. Get out of my house. You know, like no one likes that feeling of being judged. And it usually makes you worse. I know for me, when I'm around a judgmental person, I always do the wrong thing. Like I always do the exact thing that, that I know I shouldn't do around their presence that they're going to be really upset about me for doing. So why, why is God judging us? Like we believe that Hashem loves us unconditionally. You've been around, if you've been around enough to hear some of these types of classes. So why, why all this judgment? Why all the negativity? Okay, why all the beating ourselves up, which we don't do on Rosh Hashanah, we do on Yom Kippur a whole day of pounding our chest and saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so bad, kill me, all sorts of ways right now, okay? So so what's with all the negativity? So let's, let's go to the depth of it. What are we celebrating on Rosh Hashanah as Julia has enlightened us from the very beginning? 
according to the Talmud, we are celebrating the birthday of the world. And it doesn't exactly mean the birthday of the world. It means the birthday of Adam, first human being, was created according to um, the main opinion in the Talmud, was created on Rosh Hashanah. So it's a day of, of, of anniversary. So on Rosh Hashanah, does anyone know the main theme of all the prayers? We refer to God in a certain way on the whole Rosh Hashanah. Does anyone have any guess? Which character trait? Melech, Alan, excellent. King, Melech, which means king. God is referred to as king the entire day. King, 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 king. Melech, Melech, Melech. Ha-Melech, the king. King of the universe. Why are we doing that? What's the connection to the birthday of the world? Why are we calling God the king? So listen carefully, okay? I'm going to give it to you in modern terms so we can all wrap our heads around exactly what's going on in Rosh Hashanah. Imagine that you are the CEO of the greatest company in history. Google, Apple, right? Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, um, the other guy. If you were that guy, Tesla, right? Elon Musk, if you were running the greatest company in history, what would you do on the anniversary of the day that you founded that company? You and your, your, you and your buddy, you had a dream and a dollar and you started in your garage and you worked really hard. And after 20 years of hard work, you have the greatest multi-billion dollar corporation that is literally unbelievable off the charts successful what do you do every year on that day you got started anniversary okay so you might make a big party right what but but i don't know maybe not what else might you do oh okay now you're thinking evaluate evaluate what How? How? Okay. Why are you doing that? What are you trying to understand when you evaluate the setbacks and the mistakes or the successes of the company? So to not make mistakes, right? Again, but what, what's the real goal of the company? To grow, be successful at what? At doing what it does best. And what does it do best? I don't know. I didn't tell you what type of it is. It certainly is generating revenue, but that might not be what it does best. So you're right. Most companies are designed to, to generate revenue. You're right. You're right. But it all depends on something very specific. Because on that day, when Mr. Bill Gates started Apple, did I get that right? Or IBM? IBM? Microsoft. Okay. Sorry. Always got him confused with the other guy. Who's the other guy that I always get him confused with? Steve Jobs. Yeah. So when either of those guys started their company in the garage, what did they start with? A dream. And what is a dream? 
A dream of what? A dream of making lots of money? Great. So, so on that day when, when yes, Rebecca. Okay. Okay. Some sort of wish for 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 what? So I believe that it begins with a dream, a dream to accomplish something, some sort of goal. And that takes the shape eventually, might not have been crystallized at that moment, but eventually that takes the shape as a mission. And the way you know, if you want to know the purpose of any company, what do you have to read? Statement. The mission statement tells you who, what they're all about. What is their goal? Is their goal? Now, I don't think any company said our mission is to make a lot of money. No. Of course they want to make money, but they're not going to make money unless they have a value. Our mission is to produce something, to give value to people, because you don't, you don't make a lot of money unless you're giving people something, whether it's human services, to be the best teacher there is, to be the best therapist there is, to be the best son or child there is, to be the best uh, uh, producer of widgets or cell phones or whatever. You have to have a, a, a mission for what you want to provide to the world okay so a good ceo i'm not talking about an average ceo an average ceo is going to throw a gala party like most of the world does on anniversaries but a good ceo the the greatest ceo is going to evaluate are we fulfilling our mission are we accomplishing what we set out to do and then and that's called an inventory. The CEO makes a personal inventory. Now, he might be having a party later that day, but before the party, he gets serious and he looks at the numbers. And he might even be doing this for months before the anniversary or the 10 year anniversary or the 20 year anniversary or the 100 year anniversary and looks at the numbers, looks at the figures, look, talks to the employees. Are we fulfilling what we set out to do or have we gone off track? Have we been bribed by money? to go against our values, all right? Have we stopped producing quality in order to make profit? Have we stopped doing what we do best and just fallen into trends? So that's called a personal inventory. And that, my friends, is what the Torah calls Rosh Hashanah. Because according to the Torah, Rosh Hashanah is not called Rosh Hashanah. I don't think. I don't know, it's not. It's not called Rosh Hashanah in the Torah. What is it called? It is called Yom Hazikaron, which means a day of remembrance or a day of accounting. Rosh Hashanah is a day when God becomes the king of the world, literally CEO of the greatest company ever created. And he looks at his universe and he focuses on, are we fulfilling our mission? That's what's happening on Rosh Hashanah. So are we meeting our mission? And then what else in, a, in terms of, so that's the big picture, is the company fulfilling its mission? But then he also, because he's the best CEO, he also makes time because he's the God. So he's infinite amount of time, the CEO, uh, to meet with each individual in the company. And he says, 
how are you doing individually at helping the company grow? Maybe it's time for a promotion. It's the day that you're right on the day your annual contract is up. It's time to evaluate how you're doing at fulfilling your job description. Maybe you need to be transferred to a new department. Maybe you need a promotion. Maybe you need a raise, right? So how the worker worker's doing? And now here's a great question, okay? So if you're doing great, no worries. You've got your smooth sailing to your promotion and your raise. But what if you're not doing so great? What if you slipped up a little bit this past year? What if you didn't use your time so wisely, didn't accomplish so much, didn't make so many sales. What does the greatest CEO in the world do with you, with a person like that? Not you, but a person like that. So that's what an average CEO does. An average CEO terminates people who aren't doing great. But what does a great CEO do? Okay, leads by example, but what is he gonna do with those individuals when it's time for like, okay, like, Listen, Joe, you didn't uh, you didn't make any sales this past year. He's going to do what? Help them. Find the problem. Okay. Jalen, were you going to add something? Ah, okay. He wants to help them to do better. Because he invested already a lot of money in the training. He's not going to fire them. A good CEO does not fire people. good CEO helps to build people. So what's the best way to do it? What's the best way to inspire somebody to become a better employee? Okay, great. Use the strengths to combat the weaknesses. So definitely the first thing to ask your, your, your employee is, you know, what went wrong? What went wrong? Why didn't you perform? Have them evaluate themselves. Have them evaluate themselves. And as an employee, right, when you mess up, what's the best thing you can do? Before that, admit it. Admit that you made a mistake, own it, and come either come to the CEO with a plan for how to improve or ask the CEO, like you said, for help in how to improve. Right? So, but so so let's say some of the proactive, some of the proactive employees come before before the anniversary, they already come and apologize, own it, bring a plan, ask for help. Great. But what if you got a stubborn employee didn't do that? You didn't do it, didn't apologize, didn't own it. What are you going to do as a CEO to inspire that employee to be the best employee they could possibly be? Think about it. But the, but no, but you're you're the CEO. You got to figure it out. Think about it. What inspires you? If if you if you are, when are you most inspired? 
what types of things inspire you the most? Okay, po positive reinforcement. And, and really, think about your own life. When have you really, really flourished and, succeed, and succeeded at projects? What are you learning and doing? Learning and doing what? Ah, okay. So people succeed when they when they're doing things that are they're good at and they're doing things they enjoy, right? If you think about in your own life, the projects you have been the most passionate about are whose? Your own. Your own. Everybody is passionate about their own things that they're passionate about, right? <laughs> if I try to get you to be passionate about my project, might, I might succeed, I might not. But, it, but I don't have to do much to get you to be passionate about your project, right? So the greatest CEOs make their employees partners in the company. They come to their employees and they say, I'm here to help you succeed. Tell me what you want to do for the company and tell me how I can empower you to be successful. If you have a good idea, I will fund it. I'll take care of you. Just tell me what role you want to play in my company. That is the greatest boss. Can you imagine a boss like that who comes to you and says, I'm here for you. I will do whatever you want. Just tell me how I can help you to help the, the company succeed. Everyone get that? Any questions on that? So this is Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is the birthday of the universe and everything beyond it. It's the birthday of creation. And God has what we do on Rosh Hashanah as employees of the company is we look at the mission statement of the company. And we say, how are we doing at fulfilling God's mission for creation? What's God's mission for creation? Good question. You should know it. You should know it in your sleep. So, so oftentimes religious people will tell you that the God created the world that we should do mitzvahs and follow his commandments. But then I'll respond by asking, why? Okay, excellent. And what does it mean to make the world a better place? Good, make yourself a better person. Okay, and what else? What's the ultimate goal? So... Got what? Fulfill your mission. And what is the mission? What's the ultimate purpose? Why did God create a world? Uh, excellent. So God created a world in order that we should have the ultimate pleasure of relationship with him. That he should be revealed in the world. That everyone should know him. Everyone should have a connection to him. Have the ultimate pleasure of experience of connection to oneness, to infinity, greatness, perfection. 
And we do that, we develop relations through God through perfecting ourselves and perfecting the world through the doing of mitzvahs. Mitzvahs are means to help reveal God in the world, to help connect, connect to God. So how are we doing? How's the world doing? Is the world getting closer to knowing God and to be revealing the oneness of God or farther? So it really depends. Really depends. Because if we were a thousand, two thousand years ago, okay, Jewish people are a tiny nation living in the Middle East. The whole world is worshiping idols. Now look at the world today. The whole world has an awareness of God. Might not be exactly our awareness. It might have come through a lot of forced conversion at the hands of Muslims and Christians. But 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 for the to in a large degree, Muslims and Christians believe in the Jewish God. They might have some things off. Right? They might claim that the Torah was replaced by the Quran or that uh or or the New Testament. They might say that God is also a person, right? Which is very problematic from a Jewish perspective. But for non-Jews, it's not necessarily a problem because they still believe in God. So according to Maimonides, the purpose of Christianity and Islam is to bring the Jewish message to the entire world. Right? How else are we doing in terms of the world coming close to knowing God? Is the world more separate and disconnected 2,000 years ago, or is it more interconnected now? Think about it. Think about internet, communication. The world is really one world. The world response to COVID has never would have happened before. A whole world responding together to some degree, right? In many ways, we've come closer. In many ways, there's a lot of humanitarianism throughout the world. The whole world knows that war is wrong. Even though they still fight wars, they know it's wrong. Whereas 2,000 years ago, war was glorified. So the world is definitely coming closer in many ways. Science, from a scientific perspective, scientists are getting much closer to understanding the unified field theory, that everything is connected on the, on the micro level, on the quantum level. Everything is one. Right. So uh, according to Kabbalah, at the end of time, science will prove God, that everything is really one. So in certain ways, we're getting much closer, but in many ways, we're still very, very far. And so we can't do a, a judgment of the whole world. Our job is to judge ourselves. What job are we doing in being a partner with God and fixing the world and fixing ourselves? So literally. This is what's happening on Rosh Hashanah. How do you fit in to the company statement? And what role do you want to have in the next year of building the company to greater and greater heights? So our mission on Rosh Hashanah is to make a... Uh, and really, in the days preceding Rosh Hashanah, we should be doing this right now. If we haven't done it the whole month, we should begin right now to make a reckoning of how am I doing at fulfilling my personal mission? How close am I at being a great employee of the Creator? How close am I at working on my relationships with others? Am I Are my relationships where they should be? What about my relationship with myself? Am I owned by my phone or do I own my phone? Right? Am I exercising? Am I eating healthy? Am I emotionally healthy? How am I doing in my relationship to God? Am I, do I have a healthy relationship of growth? 
growth in, in my Judaism? Am I constantly learning and trying to improve myself? Improve myself spiritually? And make a list of things that you want to accomplish in this new year. What are your goals? What are your spiritual goals? And perhaps, perhaps, uh, if you haven't done this yet, a great book, uh, Seven ha Habits of Highly Successful People, recommends that every human being make a personal mission statement. What's your mission statement for your life? What do you stand for? What are your primary values in life? What do you want to accomplish in your life? Every family should have a personal mission statement. What is the goals of the family? So, and then what's your, and what are your goals in this next year? How are you going to, what do you want to accomplish materially in terms of your physical health, your financial health, your spiritual health, your relationships? Think big, but plan small. Have a big picture goal of where you want to be in 10 years, five years, one year. And then what's one step this year that you're going to take closer to that vision? Because if you try to do too big, it won't last. That's why New Year's resolutions never last. They're too fluffy. But make it really concrete. Not I'm going to lose 30 pounds this year. I'm going to eat a little less each meal. Or I'm going to exercise a little more each day. And make it concrete and measurable. Smart goals, right? Specific, measurable, and some other stuff. Obtainable. Relevant and timely, actionable, very good. Yes, so that's what it has to be. Dream big, plan small, or act small. Now, so this is essentially what's happening in Rosh Hashanah. The judgment on Rosh Hashanah has nothing to do with your past. God is not judging you on what you did last year. Can you imagine that? It's not what you thought. He's not judging you on what you did last year. Do you know why? Could God, God doesn't care what you did last year. God judges us only right now. What do we want right now? Where are we right now? There is no past. On Rosh Hashanah, the past is gone. If you at this moment want to improve yourself and want to have a, a raise, be, have a greater part to play in the company or do a better job at doing your job, you are written for that job for the next year. Doesn't matter what you did last year. Doesn't matter what you did last year. Yes. Great. So how do you who how do we know if you're gonna live or die next year? The answer is, is that living or dying is not always a punishment. There's a plan. We all have we all have a plan. If we are a very valuable part of the company, so we'll probably be around this year to help the company. The more valuable you are, the more likely, not always, not always, not guaranteed. There's a purpose and a plan and everyone has a timeline and everyone is meant to go at a certain time. But the more valuable you are to the company, the more likely you are going to have a year of goodness. Okay? So the judgment is all in the future. And the proof for that is that 
humans aren't the only beings that are judged on Rosh Hashanah. Even animals are judged on Rosh Hashanah. Angels are judged on Rosh Hashanah. So these, what's the problem with judging an animal or an angel? There's a big issue with judging an animal or an angel. There, excellent, Mike, my man. It's from the Talmud classes. Animals don't have free will. So they can't be judged. I don't think it's a bad animal or a bad angel. They are programmed to do what they're supposed to do. The judgment is on, judgment is on what role are they going to play next year, in the upcoming year? What's their job going to be? The judgment is on the future. What job description are they going to have? And if this stuff sounds crazy, I have a lot of proofs from the Talmud for what I'm saying. But um, now the past doesn't go away. Okay, we have 10 days after Rosh Hashanah to clean up the past. And that's what Yom Kippur is. Yom Kippur is a day to clean up all the things you did wrong. Because the CEO, he says, you want a promotion? Are you serious about this? I'll give you the promotion. But you got to now spend 10 days proving it to me that you're not going to fall back into your old ways. You got to show me that you really mean it. That's the story between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So finally, two other ideas I want to share with you. And this is really, according to Kabbalah, we don't, re we don't, Jewish holidays don't commemorate ancient events. You know what happens in Jewish holidays? The energy of that event comes back into the world. and We can tap into that energy. So this is very interesting. What's the energy of Rosh Hashanah? What's the energy of creation? Of the, of the time that the world is created? What energy is coming into the world that we can tap into? Anyone take a guess? Newness. Newness and, and creativity, right? Creation, that's the idea of being able to recreate yourself. Okay. What else? We've talked about in the past that the time preceding creation was a time of will of desiring to create so you could tap into the desire right now we should be working on desiring to create ourselves on rosh hashanah we can tap into this the actual power to recreate ourselves but kabbalist there's something very interesting what was god doing during the seven days of creation according to kabbalah this is deep but maybe some of you have heard me talk about this before so according to kabbalah Right, All there is is God. Before creation, all there was was God. After creation, all there is is God also. But what was God doing during creation? He was hiding himself in order for us to exist. Right, Because when all there is is God, there's no room for us. So God was creating space. How did he do that? Through a process called simpson, which means constricting himself, hiding himself, creating a vacuum, creating an empty space in which we could exist. So according to Kabbalah, that energy happens again on Rosh Hashanah, that God hides himself from us. What does that mean? The CEO literally disappears, and he gives us the keys to the company. And he says, you guys drive. You're in charge of driving the company for the next year. Where do you want to take the company? What role do you want to play in the company? Here are the keys. The choice is yours. The future is literally in your hands. I'm stepping away for the day. 
And that's exactly what happens on Rosh Hashanah. God disappears and he gives it over to us to be in charge. And that, my friends, is why we blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. Because how did God create the world? Literally, according to the Torah. Speech. God created the world through speech, with one exception, Shailene. Creation of Adam. Adam, God, did not create with speech. How did God create Adam? With breath. Breath. God blew into us a breath of life. He blew into us a soul, literally a piece of himself. Do you know what happened? God created the world with speech. He spoke the world into creation, and then he created Adam with breath. That breath gave us the ability to speak. God gave us breath so that we too can create, that we can be partners with God and created the world through our speech, that we can literally create worlds. Human beings have the ability to do so much through the faculty of speech. That's what separates us from animals. So on Rosh Hashanah, we take the shofar and we blow back that power of creation into the universe we literally recreate the universe as partners with god in creation that's what's happening on rosh hashanah so now the last point and we'll end with this is what's the guaranteed way to convince the ceo to give you whatever you need in this new year what do you need you need a new car you need more money in the bank New house? How about a spouse? Health? You want it? Guaranteed. How am I going to convince the CEO to give it to me? Ah, not a better person, a better employee. If you convince the CEO that if you had a new car, you would come to work earlier. You would sail through traffic. You would be there and be refreshed and have energy. You would be such a better employee if you had a new car. Boss, can I please have a new car? And the boss, if you convince him, guaranteed to get that new car because it's for the good of the company. Whatever you need in this new year and whatever we need as a community and as a world, Convince the CEO that it's for the good of the company. Not just for you, but for all of us. If I were to get married this year, I would be so much more effective at making the world a better place. I would be so much happier. I would, I would do mitzvahs in my home. I would do acts of kindness. If you can get it clear and you got to be honest with yourself. Or maybe if you were married, it wouldn't be so good for you. Maybe you need another year. To get yourself worked out. If I could get worked out this year, if I could get my all my all my emotional stuff in order, then I would be ready for marriage, and then I'd be so much such a better employee. If I had more money in the bank, I'd have so much more concentration to be able to pray. So 
so that's so that's exactly what we're talking about is that the stuff that i want to get i want it for you for you for your to make your world a better place to have more of a relationship with you to reveal you in the world to have better relations with other people to be more connected to my soul it's for the good of the company because i'm going to grow through that if i had if i had a new car i would for sure wear a shaitel not me personally i would for sure cover my hair when i get married if i had a new car because i'll i'll be so much happier with that new car i'm i'm going to for sure want to do more mitzvahs right you have to be honest with yourself and recognize that make sure that what you want is actually in line with the values of the company because sometimes we want things that aren't really good for us and sometimes we aren't want things that aren't really in line with what god wants for us you know so we really have to be honest in that introspection but then on rosh hashana if we spend the whole day and really everything i said is for the most part should take place before rosh hashana on rosh hashana the one thing we're supposed to be doing is thinking about how awesome the ceo is how awesome the king of the universe is how beautiful his mission statement is and the prayer say that the whole world should come together as one society and live in peace and connection to hashem that's our mission that's our mission that no more wars no more fighting no more pettiness no more jealousy no more anger together one human race connecting to the beauty of the creator all of us are a different instrument in the symphony and the mission is for this year rosh hashana to tap into figuring out how to play your instrument better and how to play better with the other instruments how can i and how to learn to listen to the conductor that is the mission on rosh hashana a famous american philosopher uh thoreau said that every man must mark to the beat of his own drummer and i say that is the stupidest statement i have ever heard because if everyone was marching to the beat of their own drummer that would be chaos and noise we're all supposed to march to the beat of the drummer the conductor but it doesn't mean that we we don't have individuality we each have our own incredible talents and beautiful instrument to play in this world we just have to learn how to play it and then learn how to listen to the notes that we are told to play so if we do that this year will be an incredible year the whole world will get a step closer but it all starts with you it all starts with you getting clarity on how you can be a little bit better a little bit closer to your mission a little bit more in touch with yourself with others and with ultimately with the 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 vision of the creator i want to bless you all with a shana tova a sweet new year a kasiva vachasima tova a good we should all be written for life and for goodness and for blessings and uh look forward to seeing you all next year in jerusalem all right questions comments